Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of Peak by Chippy Conley, How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow. I just remember we interviewed him. Oh, I yeah. No, I remember when we interviewed him, we tried to ask him if we could go to his 60th birthday party in Indonesia. <laughs> That's right. He did not... So, yes, we did not go to the party. <laughs> well, never say never. Well, he's already turned 60. Maybe we'll get a crack Maybe the 70. Yeah, Maybe we'll send right. him the link to this episode and make him happy. Uh, not to be confused with probably arguably a more popular book called Peak by Anders Ericsson, you know, the 10,000 hours rule sort of. Peak, peak. This is a different peak. Totally different peak. This book is about the miracle of human potential. So, big deal, this stuff. Employees living up to their full potential in the workplace. Customers feeling the, the bliss associated being with having their unrecognized needs met. Or even investors feeling fulfilled by seeing the potential of their capital being leveraged in certain ways. As um, one of your favorite authors, Fred Reichheld, says, the fundamental job of a leader is to be a role model an exemplary partner whose primary goal is to help people grow to their fullest human potential. Great leaders know how to trap in potential and actualize it into reality. Yeah. So, Chipsy, his hope is that whoever you are, you might be a startup entrepreneur or a man, it's pretty standard in every book to say, just sort of get cast a broad net to make sure it's relevant <laughs> to everyone reading. But entrepreneur, management, the Fortune 500 company, you're going to be able to use this book to really maximize your own potential and those around you. And I think he's right. He's onto something here. Chip, he heard a pop in the late 1990s, around New Year's. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the pop of uh, the champagne bottle that he was uh, going to be celebrating the new year. It was actually the pop of the bursting dot-com bubble. It was, it was a big pop and it was big in his backyard. All around the world, everyone was in a bit of an unprecedented tailspin. And him specifically, he, was, he owns and runs hotels um, in the travel industry. That pop, everyone just pulls the pin on their trips and mm. his hotel business was really going to the shit here. That's it. He'd founded his company Joie de Vivre when he was age 26. He'd dedicated 15 years to building it and it felt like overnight he was now at risk of losing everything that he'd worked for. Pretty scary, man. But he went to the bookstore like a lot of us do when we've got some sort of problem. He went straight to the psychology section and uh, there he saw something just like, you know, reticular activation system just, <laughs> just sort of pops out. something out at you, which is really... I think books do that sometimes. Yeah, like There's some kind of energy calling to him. There's some sort maybe, of energy yeah. shit going on with books, I think, don't you think? I think potentially, yeah. Especially in this case, he definitely believes it because he saw a book called Towards a Psychology of Being by Abraham Maslow. In all honesty, that title wouldn't get me going. Maybe in that specific time and place so that he thought, this is exactly what I need. Yeah, he got him excited because 20 years earlier, he heard about it in uh, psychology in, in uh, college, which is pretty boring in the context of mm. college sometimes. But now he sort of picked it up in the bookstore. It's a pretty short book. Mm. I don't think he paid for it. I think he would have got through the whole <laughs> book whilst being in the bookstore. That's it. He thought, oh, I'll just flick through this for a minute. And then if I like it, I might buy it. Turns out he just hunkered down. Yeah. Well, time's moments, worth half, man. Moments turned to minutes, turns to hours, and he just polished the book off and thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. Everything Maslow was saying just made so much sense. He had the hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, peak experiences. Chip, he was in the midst of this crisis that was threatening his business and his livelihood, and Maslow was really speaking to him. So, he went hard on Maslow. He went down through all his journals, went went read all everything he'd ever written and everything like that to actually get to the bottom of what he's trying to say because it really was touching his soul. And a quote here from Abraham Maslow, it really just primes the book and sort of frames what he's all about. A musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write. If he is to be ultimately at peace with himself, what a man can be, he must be. This 
need we call self-actualization. It refers to man's desire for self-fulfillment, namely to the tendency for him to become actually what he is potentially, to become everything one is capable of becoming. <laughs> a, long, a long quote, but it's, there's a lot of good shit in there. And now the influences of, of Maslow kind of go everywhere. One example he whips out is Jim Collins, Built to Last, very successful, very famous book. Jim Collins said, imagine if you were to build an organization designed to allow the vast majority of people to self-actualize, to discover and draw upon their true talents and creative pursuits of those activities towards pure excellence. So it sounds obviously very similar to Maslow's one, maybe a little bit more modern in the way that he phrased it <laughs> potentially, yeah. but uh, you can see that Maslow's thinking and his, his uh, research and his philosophy, I guess, and his psychology has been touted everywhere. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, you know, like what is quote there, imagine if the world was like that. It's definitely the majority population. You'd have to look far to see it's not happening. <laughs> but it, imagine right. if the world was exactly like mm. that. It'd be pretty interesting. We probably have different sorts of problems than, than it does now. But, um, you know, B.F. Skinner had a different way of looking at things, right? Yeah, B.F. Skinner, he had the idea of behaviorism based on the premise that we could learn a lot about humans by studying lab rats. You know, you give a little study and put a cheese at the end and make him go through a maze and think you can extrapolate that to how humans act as well. Maslow thought, ah, oh, maybe lab rats are not the best analogy to human behavior. He thought more about people's future than their past and studying you know, what, what they could become. He was thinking rather than studying lab rats and rather than just studying what potentially makes people unhealthy or what they've done in the past to make them uh, psychologically unfit, what can we actually do to actually get them to being healthy? Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Like go to Leonardo da Vinci, like study the people like that and how their brains work or the greatest painters and the poets or whatever it might be. It's probably is a bit better. We probably want to be learning from that compared to the old lab rat just getting zapped around. And what really underpins all of Maslow's ideas is his theory on the hierarchy of needs pyramid. He says that the human being is a wanting animal. It rarely reaches a state of complete satisfaction. We always want something more. Whenever we satisfy one desire, another one pops up to take its place. So at the very base of the pyramid, the first desires that really pop up are obviously going to be the things you need to survive, like sleep, water, food. If you're not hungry, sorry, well, if you don't eat food, then you're hungry and you're, all you can think about is food. Same with water and same with sleep. So, without that, obviously, 100% of your being is on that. You're not caring about going out and doing a painting. You're worried about your next yeah. meal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, the first thing you've got to satisfy is that need for food, sleep, water. Once you've satisfied those, you can step up to the next thing, which is the needs for physical safety. Once you've kind of got that, then you can step up to affiliation or social connection. Once you step up again, once you've got the social connection in place, you can step up to a bit of self-esteem. And then if you've got all those things in place, you can step to the very top of the pyramid, which he calls self-actualizations or peak experiences. The poke. That's poke. it. Comparable to being the flow when things are dusty, everything's just flowing through. So Maslow wrote, they are moments of ecstasy which cannot be bought. Ecstasy which cannot be bought, that's interesting, cannot be guaranteed <laughs> and cannot ecstasy. even be sought. So you can't buy this stuff. That's right. He says you can't trap the rainbow in the jar. The rainbow just happens once it's got its hunger and needs met and yep. then its social connection met and then the rainbow pops out. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> or maybe mixing the metaphors a bit there. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of metaphors just popping up. So many metaphors we go through at the moment. It's worth your crack. But you know, at the end of the day, his message did strike a chord with many business leaders and in essence that there's a big difference between those who are out there who are not being sick and those out there who are actually trying to be fully alive in, with mm. their experience. It's a different one, isn't it? A big difference between not being sick versus being 
you know, fully healthy or feel fully alive. Yeah. Big difference. It Big is. Big difference in a way that you look at things. So, you know, remember Chip, where we left off before, he was really struggling in his hotel business. He picked this book up and went hardcore on it, studied it hard, and he really took it to his heart and then tried to make his own corporate uh, transformation on the back of this. He had his uh, inevitable sort of downturn, but after that, once he'd got all the things in place, his company, Joie de Vivre, grew in market share by 20%, doubled revenues, they launched their most successful hotel ever, was named one of the best 10 companies to work for, they reduced their annualized employee turnover rate to one-third of the industry average, and really, it was it was killing it. It's killing yeah. it, man. So, the, what he's saying is this shit works. It really yeah. works and we're going to go through it and there's going to be some tangible and actionable stuff we can take from Maslow and then apply it to all the different contexts that we might be working in. After going deep on all those books, he read all of Maslow's books and journals and, and studies and everything. Really, the question was then, you know, how can I actually translate Maslow's pyramid into something a bit more actionable for the team? You can't expect your whole team to read all Maslow's books like you did. So Chip thought, how can I make this a little bit simpler? How can I actually put this into place and bring this to life? So really in studying the pyramid, Maslow came up with five different layers. Uh, So physiological is the first, then safety, then social and belonging, then esteem, and then finally self-actualization. It's number five, but you could really probably group them down to three when we're, we're, we're trying to make it a bit yeah, easier for right. run our little brains. Chip, th- Chip thought, you know, all of my employees is five's too many. Let's I know, go, I let's know go more three. than the Maz man. Yeah. <laughs> so he thought, okay, there's really three states of being. Okay, at the base of the pyramid, physiological and safety needs, you just group them together. That's obviously what we need to do to basic survival. You know, we, we need to tick off all those things. And if you think, you might be thinking, okay, well, we're in the, big economic downturn we can save a bit of cash if we cancel the holiday party this year it's going to keep a bit of money in the back pocket and maybe protect us in the short term but of course during this big tsunami where everyone's panicking and everyone's thinking the business could be tanking if you cancel the the holiday party it's not going to be good for the long term is it everyone's going to think okay yeah we're we're going down with the ship here well it's lab right thinking there isn't it man (laughs) you're just thinking about um, money the the very base of the period without the recognition of actually what's going on top of the pyramid because level two is really all about the social relationships and our esteem and these sort of things are probably built up at your company party and you sort of guilt that culture and things like that and you're stripping that away um this really that gives the pleasure as, as individuals in what they do a big one here, man, is uh, a sense of accomplishment, you know? Mm. Your boss telling you, hey, I really like what you did here. You're doing a really good job. That sort of recognition, that one that sits just above the cash. And then above that, you get to the very top, the peak here. It's pretty intangible. It's a lot harder to see than a, a Christmas party or the bonus uh, in your back pocket or whatever. This is the less tangible but probably the most powerful because it's really about transforming yourself and transforming your relationship with others. So, they're the three men. So, survive, succeed, transform. And they're the essential ingredients really that can be applied to employees, customers and investors. Yeah. So, let's see how these three levels apply to employees. So, the base at that survive level is money. And there's a good quote here from Zig Ziglar. He says, money, it's not the most important thing in life, but it's pretty close to oxygen in terms of uh, the got to have it scale. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's man. not as high as oxygen, but he's saying it's not far yeah. behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, without it, you're pretty screwed, aren't you? Yeah. You're pretty screwed. You need, you need money to You leave. need money. You need money. And if yeah. you're at a job, right, and you're just not earning anything, you're earning below minimum wage or whatever it might be, 
obviously that's all that's on your mind is how can mm. I get more money and, and that's it. How I'm going to pay for me, put food on the table for the kids. You're not worrying about this honky-tonky fancy shit that's coming up later. <laughs> that's all that matters is cash. That's right. That's right. When you're stepping onto this pyramid, the first thing you've got to tick off is money. You can't work full-time for free. Maybe you want to, but you just can't. And so yeah. you need to really tick that off if you want to move higher up the pyramid. So if you are an employer, um, there's a big reason why you need to pay your, your staff right because you, if you want to get them up to those higher levels, which we're going to speak about soon, you need to pay them enough so they're not they're not just thinking about mm. money the whole time. Exactly, exactly. If you can tick that off, then the next layer up is the succeed layer, and that's loyalty. And it's uh, you really want people who are sticking around because they want to be there, not just because you're paying them the most because it's pretty easy for them to get paid more somewhere else. So, you need something more than just money. That's right. And a lot of the time, uh, it's that social need and that social status sometimes. So, recognition is a really big one here. It's not really hard to see if staff are engaged um, at what they're doing. I remember I've got some pretty crude crass <laughs> words here. I won't say on the podcast, but once I had a, a local Mexican joint and you could just tell it's just this person hated being there. They hated customers and, and it just was just so bad. I just yeah. hated the experience. <laughs> but it's it's pretty common, you know, some places. I'm sure if she was paid enough and then maybe recognize what she's doing and being mm. seen in the world, you know, you probably have a totally different person operating in that business. Absolutely. You can easily tell. Like say you've got the, the local cafe we go to six or seven times a week. There's a decent amount of staff turnover, but you can always see who's staying and who's not. You can always see who's there just for a job they need to get some money because they're not there for very long whereas the ones who have been there for two years you know that they're there for more than just money that they're actually getting some of these higher up the pyramid things out of their job yeah totally yeah that pizza joint in Albert Park I think we've eaten once like (laughs) if they're just passionate about it and they're all about it it just changes everything I remember the Albert Park one man they've hit the top here they hit the top they've hit the top this is what everyone is really going out for and there's a small minority out there who you know might have found their calling and it's there's a moment when something on earth was saying, wake up, this is why you're here on earth. You know, this is your whole reason for being here. And uh, that's a big, big one to, to reach. It's obviously less tangible than money. It's even less tangible than loyalty. But finding your meaning, you can't really describe it, can you? But if you feel that sense of, okay, this is what I'm meant to be doing. I'm actually contributing something beyond more than just putting in time. That's when you get to the top of the pyramid here. That's it. So firstly, looking at wages or salaries after that, informal and formal uh, means of recognition to get them to the middle. Then finally, getting that meaning can come intrinsically from what they're doing or more broadly what the organization does. So, you know, as a company, it might be you setting a vision of, of how you're impacting the world and the employee actually buys into that vision. And that way, if they're paid well and looked after, then they can actually find that meaning. Awesome. That's exactly what you need to do. If you're, if you're a leader, that's what you want to be helping your employees move up this pyramid. If you're also a leader, you want to help your customers move up their own pyramid as well. The customers have got a slightly different pyramid. At the bottom of the customer pyramid is it meets expectations. And that kind of makes sense. You know, if you buy something, you want to know that it does what it says on the pack. Or if you're getting a service, you want to make sure that it does exactly what you want it to do. And that's just the bottom the bottom level that's just a, a no-brainer. Yeah, and it's probably everyone's like competing on commodities at this stage. But when we're going out to the next stage is meeting desires and that's mm. um, when we create commitment and we're tapping into desires here, creating differentiation and it's really the, the cure to the commoditization like we were talking about before and it means the customers are more likely to just come back for more of where they came from. 
That's right. So if you think about obviously meeting expectations, you get out of it exactly what you want to get out of it. Meeting desires is sort of the below the surface unspoken things that you want to get out of it that, that are higher up. And if if a company can do that for you, then you're going to be a lot more committed to that company. I'm thinking of a book recently, man. It was about a petrol sta- It sort of drops in here. You'll remember it. Petrol station. Customer success. Customer. Ah, it was customer success. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> can you drop us on what, the, what I'm trying to get at? I think you were just saying that nobody's really loyal to the the local post office or the local petrol station because all it really is doing there is meeting expectations. You put the petrol in the tank and you drive off and your car goes and that's you can get that anywhere. It's very hard to be loyal to a specific... You're not going to drive 10 minutes further to get to a different petrol station because uh, there's not much more they can do there in terms of creating commitment. Good save there, mate. <laughs> then finally, it's, it's meeting unrecognized needs. Um, it's the top of the pyramid and this is creating evangelists for your mm. product. Yeah. So obviously meeting expectations, you just got to do that. Meeting desires, that's when you're going a bit further, but meeting the unrecognized needs, the things that the customers themselves don't even know until they get your product and then they're like, wow, I didn't even know this could happen from buying this. That's when they're going to go and tell everybody. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a business book without throwing a bit of Apple in there, um, (laughs) which is, it is a very pertinent example here, especially in their early days. You know, you had that, the most famous commercial ever, which is 1984, that person, you know, breaking down, we're going to be rebels or that think differently campaign they did. And it really doesn't mean you're buying a product. You're actually buying an identity and having an Apple product, especially back then, you could say, um, it really meant something more than just what the product is. It's you actually meeting these unrecognized needs that you've got mm-hmm. in you. I'm trying to think. It's always dangerous when you try to think of them on the fly. But one, we recently got these new um, blockout or blackout blinds mm-hmm. that are genuinely black. You put the blind down and you literally can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Really? I suppose like the- That's cool. The meets expectations is, you know, if someone says, yeah, we can do these blockout blinds, which we also had previously, somebody said, yeah, we can do it. You do it, yeah, it's pretty dark. That's probably the expectation. It's like, it's pretty dark. Yeah. I guess meeting the desires is, the desire was I wanted it pitch black. I wanted it black. And this one actually did it because they had some special, you know, patented mechanism where the- thing slides down and they had stuff around the side and the top and the bottom where nothing can get through and it was genuinely black. Mm. Then I suppose the unrecognized needs, I didn't want it to be black. I wanted to get some good sleep. So the unrecognized needs is actually getting some genuinely good sleep. You sleep through the night compared to because there's a bit of light coming through the cracks from the old ones. You're waking up two, three times a night. Yep. Whereas now the unrecognized needs is you can sleep through the full night in pure blackness. I like it, Ash. Good save from just going down the, <laughs> the Apple, Apple road again. I think Harley Davidson's another really good one for sure, right? Like, you know, long story short, they do get customers to the point where they're actually whacking ink all over their bodies and tattoos. Mm. I mean, and they're basically just saying, I'm a rebel, I'm an individualist. That's the identity. If someone's got a Harley, you're a bit afraid of them. You think they might have a little bit of a, a gun lurking in, one, in a pocket somewhere. So you do sort of, <laughs> oh, right? Definitely. When you, at a bar. Him, when you hear them drive past, oh, and if, if, if you hear them pull up, you think, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> and that's what they want. Like, if you put, see where their hands are when they're riding the bars as well, how uncomfortable is that? Like, they're, they're copping a lot of discomfort. Don't you reckon? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. If you think about buying a motorbike, then on these three levels, meet expectations. Obviously, the motorbike, it's got to get you from A to B. Meets desires is probably like you want to kind of look cool. Yeah. But then like the unrecognized needs, it's probably like the belonging to that group as that everyone knows that the the group without sort of saying it, you then feel like you're part of this group if you're riding a Harley. Yeah. And also a bit of a word of warning. You could read, listen to this episode and go out there and just go hardcore on this meaning shit. Mm. But if you look, watch the, the We Crush documentary mm. phenomenal mm. i think he went well too hard on this we crash did not look at the base pyramid whatsoever <laughs> so it's like all of these are premised on the fact that you've figured out the base pyramid 
up to there and then, you know, on this third level of meaning. Yeah, they just went straight to the unrecognized, what was their tagline? Something about elevating the world's, world's consciousness. consciousness and, and <laughs> like, yeah, they put that. He missed He missed a few layers below. He just went straight to the top and the pyramid doesn't stand if there's nothing below yeah. it, hey? And I forget <laughs> the technical name. It was like that investor pitch um, uh, document or whatever. It was nothing about the money and the accounting. <laughs> it was about the woo-woo shit of how they're going to transform mm. consciousness and it's a good segue, because yeah. the investors weren't looking at that sort of shit at the very start. <laughs> That's right. So, we, we spoke about the employee pyramid. We spoke about the customer pyramid. The investors, they've got their own pyramid as well. Now, obviously, at the, the bottom of the investor pyramid, uh, obviously, part of it's making money out of your investment. It's transactional alignment, and that that's creates trust. That's it. So, you want a strong return on investment for the money they've thrown in. Fair enough. They want to make their money back. But beyond that, it's uh, in the middle is the socialist teams, and that's just like your relationship alignment and um, mm. creates confidence. You're having fun, you're, you're business meetings, you're having a beer, you're having dinner, you really like each other, you're enjoying each other's company and you're getting something out in that middle sort of relationship level. That's it. That's a hell of a lot different to someone who just, you know, you send them the checks once a month or whenever they they get their payout, that's at the very bottom. If you've got that relationship level, that's the, the extra confidence. If you want to get to the very top, it's really a sense of pride and what they say, this is, it's about a legacy. It's not just about making money, it's about actually making a difference. That's it. So, they've put their money and they've leveraged their capital for good use. So, you'd say impact investing is is exactly this. So, like assuming that, you know, they're making money off it. If you tick in the box of actually making an impact on the world, then giving the investor that feeling like they're making their contribution to, to what they want to do. So, you may have heard about this parable. There's different ways it's framed all the time. But for this one, it's stone cutters. They're working on the side of the road. And, you know, Asho walked past and go, hey, mate, what are you doing? Yeah. The first one says, I'm making a living. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes <laughs> the, sense. The second said, I'm doing the best job of stone cutting in my country. And he pointed at the person who was the first person. So I'm doing better than him. He sucks. <laughs> the final one said, I'm building a grand cathedral. Probably not looking at either of them yeah. either, right? <laughs> That's right. So these three responses relate to what we've spoken about here. So we've, what was done as an employer, as mm. a customer, an investor. Now we're just talking about ourselves as well and how we can use the pyramid. That's it. If you think your job is all about just making a living, you do your however many hours a day, you get your whatever paycheck and that's it. That's all the transaction was. You're at the base level of the pyramid, putting in time, getting your money back, you're making a living. You know, you might get a bit of satisfaction from the work, um, but to get to that next level of, of esteem is really, you know, recognition from others. So, your boss telling you've done a good job or, you know, if you're at the bottom, you might be looking for a promotion in your job and you're, you're desperately looking for that. And, you know, that's that's all that matters is getting that recognition from, from people you're doing. Without it, there's always going to be that thirst there that's unmet. And once you can get to those two, that's when you get to the top of the pyramid. That's when you're heading towards you know, some kind of meaning, some kind of calling. That's when you're getting out of the, the basement, I guess, Maslow's basement of just making money. You actually feel like you're contributing something to the, to the greater society. So, how do you know which level you are? So, you got the three, you got job, which is survive, you got a career, which is succeed and people might say, I've got a calling and that's about transformation. And again, magically, this aligns beautifully to, to, yeah. to, uh, to peaks, uh, peaks triple, triple, triple whammy. If you're in a job, you're probably going to say things like, I like what I do, but I don't expect much from work. I enjoy leisure life more than work life. I'm often not excited to, for a Monday to roll around because so, I know I have to go back to work. I'm pretty conscious that I use vacation time and sick days to make sure that I make the most of those and I don't, don't have to work too much and I can enjoy the rest of the stuff on the side. Yeah, and beyond job is 
career. So if you're in a career, um, your greatest experience at work is when you're being recognized by others and you just you want a promotion in what you're doing and you've got a career path and you can see you know, how your, your rise through your organization and you m- might get the respect and the status that uh, actually comes with that. That's right. And you're always, you're always thinking about, I'm going to do what it takes to be, become successful in my work. You know, you want to do it. You don't just want to do a job. You don't just want to tick the box. You actually want to get really good at what you do. And finally, uh, calling. So, this is if you feel like you're losing yourself in your work and there's a sense of lost sense of time and you believe that your work is making a difference in the world and you feel that your work is allowing uh, everyone to see the real you about what you're doing. Hmm. That's what that's what you want to go towards. Obviously, you want to take your step stepping up this pyramid if as much as possible. Now, the thing about the callings, we can't just say, "Hey, you listening right there? This is your calling. Everybody's calling us to go and do this." It doesn't really work like that, does it? The calling's unique to each individual. Yeah, it's pretty pretty hard to find. Obviously, it's pretty well. It's not. Uh, the bottom of the pyramid is tangible. This is very intangible. Mm. Um, and it's more than desires. It's more than talent. There must be a willingness to go out there and find it um, and have a good good crack because it's not easy to discover. Yeah, that's right. And it can take a bloody long time to discover. You're not just going to think, okay, I finished uh, finished my degree now. I'm going to head to my first job and uh, I'm going to find my calling. It probably takes a bit of trial and error and a bit of stumbling and trying a few different things until you can actually discover what your true calling is. Yeah, and it's never too late. It's probably, what do you say, it's more likely with time. You're probably not going to pick it up early, but you know, for some people, it's really late. So, Colonel Sanders and Ray Kroc, they were like 60 when their empires were born. Watching that movie, you could maybe say they were on their calling a bit earlier than that. <laughs> the Kroc, he wasn't like 60. Uh, he was on his calling even though he wasn't a success. Like yeah, calling okay, doesn't mean point, you're successful. Actually, yeah. That's a good point. He, yeah. was, he knew where he wanted to go. He hadn't achieved it yet, but he was, he was heading in the right direction. I don't know. There's not enough about Colonel Sanders. He's done pretty well, the Colonel. Yeah, I've, I've heard um, he's copped a bit, isn't he a shocker? Is he? Oh, maybe that's why there's nothing yeah. about him. Yeah, I think he, I think he was a, the most um, moral, not, moral human he's being He's not someone you want to look up I to. Don't, I might have dreamt that. I'm not sure. It sounds, um, makes sense. I actually dreamt an email the other day. I said, I dreamt I got an email from you. Did, did I delete it? And they're like, no, you must have dreamt it. <laughs> it's really <laughs> awkward. Anyway, I do that sometimes. You, I thought you were saying you got an email from Colonel Sanders. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's totally, totally irrelevant to the episode. <laughs> I'm wasting the listeners' time here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, but, you know, because it's a pyramid, you can start at least setting priorities about what you want to be doing. Yeah, that's right. If you if you realize that, hey, all these things about a job, you know, I like what I do, but I don't expect much from work. I enjoy my leisure time. I'm trying to take as many sickies as I can. That might be a good, you know, pride to think, okay, maybe I should step higher up this pyramid. That's it. But the number one recommendation for those who are using this pyramid as your metaphor about what you want to do is really to make sure that you're climbing the right mountain in the first place. Hmm. Because, or pyramid. Or pyramid yeah. or whatever. Because, uh, yeah, if you're on the wrong mountain, you get to the top and you're like, it's a pretty shit mountain. Yeah. That was a bit of a waste of time. You don't <laughs> want to be doing that. <laughs> That's right. You want to, If you're climbing the mountain with the pyramid up the ladder, then you want to get to the right point of the yeah. peak. Yeah. I was expecting more of an epic, <laughs> epic close for us on this episode, but maybe we'll just leave it pretty weak. But it. You peak get the, I mean, peak baby peak. Peak, peak it. <laughs>